Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If I can solve that impossible situation that you're facing without God, then I don't need God. But I do need God. God is going to move two million people across an impossible situation. God is going to move you through your impossible situation. Well, how does that work? That's what we're going to learn this morning. We're going to watch how God takes us individually, just like them thousands of years ago, through impossible situations in our life. Have you been able to get through those impossible situations absent of God? Today, Pastor Mark will show listeners how God is necessary to make it through nearly everything in life. Many have tried and failed to succeed in life without God. He is the only one who dictates life, sees things before they come, and strengthens you and I to overcome even the impossible. In the Old Testament, the Israelites faced countless seemingly impossible situations, and the Lord delivered them every time. Are you dependent on the Lord or yourself today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians as he continues with part 13 in his series entitled Unlimited Opportunities. Have you ever said to God, what's wrong with you? Be honest. Be on- yeah, you have. We all have. God, what are you doing? Are you clueless? This is the worst time of the year. But watch me. We're going to discover this is the best time of the year. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. I'll change some of his words because he doesn't talk like us in some of the words. But this isn't the worst time of the year to cross. This is the best time of the year to cross. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. The path of the Christian is not always bright with sunshine. He has seasons of darkness and of storm. At certain periods, clouds cover the believer's sun, and he walks in darkness, and he sees no light. The best of God's saints, the dearest of his children, must battle difficulties. No Christian ever enjoys continual prosperity. Perhaps initially when you came to the Lord, God made your walk smooth and easy because you were young and weak and timid. But now, as you've grown in God and you're stronger, God will experience, let you experience winds of difficulty, tempests to exercise our faith, strong winds to tear off the broken boughs that need to be moved away from our life, and, and a chance for you and I to be rooted deeply in Christ. You see, the day of difficulty 
reveals the value of God's glory in us. So why did God bring them at the worst seemingly possible time? Because of this. He knew what he was doing. He wanted the people for three days to be staring at an impossible situation. He wanted them to understand that he was going to do what they couldn't do. Now, I want to ask a very important question. Some of you here in Melbourne, Vieira, East Orlando, Sebastian, you're facing an impossible situation. You might have been looking at it for one day or 50 days. And you, you have no idea how in the world that impossible situation is going to get solved. Now, some of you are not, but I'll guarantee you this. Before the year's out, you will be. We all will be. You see, that's what life is. So if I'm at a situation this morning and I'm looking at an impossible situation in front of me, in front of me what is God trying to do later in the year when I have one? What is God trying to do in my life? Here's what you want to write down. Remember it. If you're not going through one this morning, you will later. God wants to exercise your faith. You see, if I can just cross the Jordan on my own, I don't need God. If I can solve that impossible situation that you're facing without God, then I don't need God. But I do need God. God is going to move two million people across an impossible situation. God is going to move you through your impossible situation. Well, how does that work? That's what we're going to learn this morning. We're going to watch how God takes us individually, just like them thousands of years ago, through impossible situations in our life. Well, look at verse 3. After they're there three days, what happens? The officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. Now, what are they going to say to them? When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and circle this word in your Bible and follow it. That's the same principle we do in the New Testament. We're called followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he leads and we follow. So these people said, this, this Ark of the Covenant, sometimes we remember what, we forget what that is. It was really a symbol of the presence and the power of God. And whenever the children of Israel went somewhere, that Ark was there. Here, let me just show you what it kind of looked like. And you kind of remember in those days, God didn't live in the Old Testament. He didn't live in individuals. A few individuals were empowered with the Spirit. But most of those, almost all of those two million people, God's Spirit didn't live in them. He lived in the temple or in the tent or the tabernacle. And of course, this was the symbolization of his presence. Now, when the people weren't moving, that ark would be in the center of their homes, which were really simply tents. So that every day when you came out of your tent, whether you were north, south, east, or west, when you opened that tent door and looked, what would you see? You would see God. God was among us. God was with us. He would be the center of their life. What does God want in this church, in our campuses? He wants to be the center of our lives. Do you know that God is here this morning? Well, let me ask you a question. Does it matter? We've come to meet him. 
And he lives in us. Very different than those days. So what do we see there? We see one thing, that the people are going to follow God. They're going to be led by God. How do you live? How do I live? Write it down. The very same way. Being led by God is the only way to live. How am I led by God? I follow him. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, what do you mean, I follow him? What does that look like? When we see God move, we move. When we don't see God move, we don't move. Being led by God always includes his timing. So some of you are facing that impossible situation today. You want to move now. Well, God may not be ready. The children of Israel had to wait three days. Some of you will have to wait longer. When God's ready to move you, you'll see him and we follow. We don't get ahead of God. We don't get behind God. Well, look at verse four. Then, when you have your eyes on God, you will know which way to go. Underline these ne- this next sentence. You'll always come back to this sentence. This is just pregnant with application. Then you will know which way to go. Since you've never been this way before. That is so powerful. God says to the children of Israel, you haven't been to the promised land. And they had not been to the promised land. But I know the way. You see, no amount of man's wisdom, no amount of man's experience can get them safely across. God is reminding them and us that we're not made to do life alone. Like Israel, we don't know the way. Life is designed as a walk of faith of following Jesus Christ. Now write this statement down and let me talk about it for a moment. Only God knows the way and only God knows our way. You see, God had a plan. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew the future. He knew the steps to get across to the promised land that people didn't know. They knew where they were supposed to go, but they didn't know how to get there. As you and I face impossible situations, we kind of have an idea maybe where we're going, but sometimes that doesn't even happen. But we don't know the timing, and we don't know the way. Why? Because we've never been there before. So you and I have to learn to be dependent on God, because he's the only one that really knows the way. And that's why we want to be dependent on him as we started the teaching today, daily. I don't want to go three or four days and get away from what God wants me to do. Every day is important. Now, the people of Israel would have followed this representation of God just that they'd followed the clouds for those 40 years. But notice in this verse, look at the last part of verse four again. But but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So what were they doing? Watch me. I'll try to explain to you. The priests are going to take the ark, and they're going to go ahead of the people. And they're supposed to follow the ark. Well, now think about this. If all the children of Israel get as close as they can to the ark, two million of them, and you're back here... (laughs) And I'm supposed to follow the ark. Where did it go? I can't see it. So what does God do? It's called crowd control. We ought to learn it. He moves the people back. They all have to move back. So that what? All two million can keep in view the ark. 
Do you see it? I see it. Do you see it? I see it. Do you see it? I see it. Let's follow it. That's it. Here's what you want to write. This is the key for you and I today. We keep Christ in view, not by looking at the ark. There is no ark today. It's lost. We don't know where it is, no matter what the movie said. It's lost. We keep Christ in view by reading and obeying his word. You see, I want to keep Christ centered in my life. I want Christ to be a clear view of what's taking place. In the book of Hebrews, we're given an amazing challenge. Let me read it to you in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, in the original language, that keeping our eyes on Jesus means this, looking away from other things and looking to God. It's a focus, keeping my eyes on Jesus. Adrian Rogers says something very important. Let me read to you. Because the original language says looking away from those things and looking to Jesus. Look what Adrian Rogers says. We need to glance at our problems and we need to gaze on our guy. We need to glance at the issue and gaze at our God. What was God asking them to do? If they would focus on the ark, they're not going to be focusing on the the water. How about you this morning? You see, when I'm facing an impossible situation, you know where my gaze is? Exactly where yours is. God, help. No, glance at it and then gaze on God. He wanted them to have their focus not on the problem, but on the solution. And who is the solution in our life? God. Always God. Well, look at verse 5. Next, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Get holy. Get clean. Get your mind focused on what God's going to do. For tomorrow, look at this, for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. The people are reminded that God wanted to lead them to a life filled with unlimited opportunities. Why? When we focus on God and we follow God, there's no fear, there's no lack, there's no excuses, there's few regrets, and that opens up to us a land of unbelievable opportunities. Notice what he says. I want to do amazing things among you as a family. 2,000 people are going to go together. But we want to be family, but we still have to face some of those situations alone. Here's what I want you to write, and I want you to write it with your name and all of our campuses today. Would you write your name in here in Vieira and Sebastian and East Orlando and here in Melbourne? God wants to do amazing things through, put your name in there. And in a moment, we're going to read that out loud, all of us at all of our campuses. You need to understand that God could have said to the children of Israel, stand back, and the water parts, but he didn't. He's going to take the people through by following him. They're going to have to do their part. They're going to have to do steps of faith. And you're going to see the solution to you and your impossible situation. Same for me. There's always steps of faith I have to take. 
Is that true? Oh, that's true. I'm little bitty. God's big. He wants to do amazing things through you. Yes, you. Now, look at verse 6. So Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Now what is he doing? Watch me. Moses is a new leader. Excuse me, Joshua is a new leader. Moses has been leading for 40 years. Here's Joshua. He's just been leading a little while. He's got 2 million people. How will those people walk into the water in a moment? How can they trust him? God says, watch. You give the commands. You set it all up. And as you do it, the people are going to go, wow, this guy like knows what he's doing. As Moses was knowing what he's doing, Joshua knows. So God says, you watch, you watch. And as you do this, the people are going to go, oh, we have a leader that hears from God. We can trust him. So the whole key was not Moses. The whole key was not Joshua. Is God with them? So they're going to do this. Look at verse 8. Now, Joshua, here's how this is going to happen. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, they've already got it on the shoulders, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So God speaks to Joshua. Joshua speaks to the other leaders. And the other leaders obey God as a role model for the people. Because the people are going to follow human leaders. Did you get it? The people are going to follow human leaders as the human leaders follow God. That's always a principle. Turn with me, if you will. Keep your finger right there. Go to the Old Testament, excuse me, the New Testament, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter uh, 13. Quickly, at all of our campuses, Hebrews 13, you see where it is, about five books from the end of the Bible. Very easy to get to. Go to chapter 13. We're going to do verses 7, and then I'm going to go down to verse 17. And as you get there, I want to just show you something and, and speak to you about it, and then we'll, we'll dissect this. Hebrews 13, verse 7. When you get there, then you can look up at me, okay? So I'll know that you're, you're there. Let's just talk about this for a moment. How in the world are the children of Israel going to get across? Well, God designed in the body, in his church, and actually in our world, leaders and followers. People need leaders. Of course, our ultimate leader is always God. People are followers. And so God says to have organization, I'm going to have to have leaders who are listening to me and then people that will follow the leaders. You see, the role of a leader is just one of the gifts from God. It doesn't make us anybody, any better than anybody else because I'm not only a leader, I'm a follower. I follow other people as well. I submit to them. So what does that mean? It means as you, uh, 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 my responsibility as a leader of this church is to move you from here to there. For you to understand that you can follow God. God doesn't want you status quo. He wants to move you from here to there. In your spiritual walk, in all kinds of areas of life. Well, how is that going to happen in a church? Well, you do that with elders and pastors. They're leaders. Got appointed leaders. We already talked to you about that today. Well, how do I respond to a leader? 
If I'm a follower, if you're out there, how do you respond to a leader? How will these people respond? How will these people respond to Joshua? What if the people say, we're not going? Well, they don't go. They never get to the promised land. They, they have the choice of doing that. And you'll see later, some of them actually do that. Well, look at Hebrews 13, 7. When you see leaders today, think of myself, the other pastors, the other elders in this church. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. That's one of the roles, obviously, of a leader. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example by faith. Now, scoot on down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Well, why? Because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work would be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage, obviously, to you or us. So what is God saying to Joshua? Joshua, here's what I want you to write. This is what God's saying. Joshua, leaders lead and people follow. Leaders lead and people follow. Now, those two verses, and I'm just going to take a second to mention it, then I'm going to move on. Many of you will run across a person, and you'll say to them this. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go. Why would I need to go to church? I can study the Bible for myself. Now, when I meet those people, I have to pray really hard. I have to ask God to settle my temper, because I want to smack them right in the mouth. Because normally they say to you this, I can teach myself, I know the word of God. When they say that they don't need church, here's what I want to say to them. You don't know anything about the word of God. Because what does the word of God say? Do it on your own? No. It says get together as a family. Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. Get pastors, prophets, evangelists, get them there together. As they follow God, you follow them. That's the whole story. Why do those people say they don't need to go to church? One reason. It's called rebellion. And by the way, it's not just in church. They rebel against any authority. So don't follow those people. Don't even get in an argument with them. Just pray for them. I have to do that, otherwise I'm there forever. And they don't like it when they leave. This doesn't change the thing. So thank you for not being those kind of people. We just submit to God, and we follow together, and it's a beautiful picture. That's the way it's designed. We'll go back to Joshua chapter 3, verse 9, all of our campuses. What's going to happen? God has instructed Joshua to send the priest and the Ark of the Covenant ahead. The people have to stand back, so now he speaks to the people. Look at verse 9. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Being led by God is the only way to live. Today, Pastor Mark encouraged all listeners to follow God as it's so much more rewarding than doing life alone. How do we follow Him? By meditating on His Word daily and obeying it. A life that is dependent on God will be blessed by God. Who's controlling every step of your life today? Put your faith into practice and follow God in every area of your life. You won't regret it. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What responsibility do I have to follow authority if I want to follow God? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that the Lord has placed leadership in positions and that we're to follow. We can follow leadership in our churches because we know that, ultimately, God is leading them. The key to life is focusing on our living for God. The enemy uses bitterness towards authority to steer that focus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.